morning. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and we'll get a Bible to you so you can track along with us. Galatians 5. We will be finishing the chapter this morning. No matter how long it takes, because we're pretty much... I'm seeing some sour looks, some downcast looks. Now, we'll get through chapter 5 this morning. Where do we leave off, by the way? Anybody remember? 22? Yes. 22 or 23? That's right. Galatians 5. 22 is where we left off. We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Personally, I think, this is my own opinion, I believe this is the heart of the book. Like, we really need to understand this, um, and really, it'll free up our walk with the Lord. It'll keep us from so uh, so many issues, problems, burdens, bummers, if we want to have that life that that God intends for us, then we need to learn to walk in the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, and we're going to learn this morning to live in the Spirit as well and and remain in connection with Jesus. Because Jesus said, if you abide in me, if you stay connected to me, right, intimate fellowship with me, you will bear much fruit, right? For apart from me, you can do... Nothing, right? Nothing of any spiritual or lasting value. We can do lots of stuff, but of anything spiritual or of eternal value, it must come out of that relationship that we have with God. And so we're going to talk about that this morning, and let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time. Lord, we thank you so much for this special morning that you have blessed us with, this special time together. And We thank you for that promise as we draw near to you, that you draw near to us. Thank you, Lord, for how you minister to us, how you meet us. You're so faithful to meet us each day, each week. And as we open your word now, we want to learn from you. Just like you said, Lord Jesus, that we are to come unto you to learn from you. And so speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Teach us, instruct us. By the power of your spirit, change us, mold us, and shape us into the men and women that you desire us to be. We want to bear fruit for your glory. So have your way this morning, and it's in your precious and your holy name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Did I forget an announcement? I did, didn't I? Did I talk about canceling service? I'm like losing my mind. I did. This is the third service for me this morning. It's interesting. When you do three services, you like start to forget. Did I say that or did I not say that? So bizarre. So, and by the way, our seven o'clock service, we just started the book of Philemon. That was the other announcement too. If you want to join us, 7 a.m., we have service also for those that are wanting to get uh, deeper into the word and, and uh, learning to serve the Lord. We've, we've been going through the pastoral epistles. So I want to encourage you in that. We just started Philemon. So you guys know Philemon, right? You guys know Philemon? Is that how you say it in Spanish? <laughs> Philemon? I like that even better. It sounds good. We're in Galatians 5 this morning. Let's check it out. I'm gonna, we, ended, we ended up in verse 22, but I'm going to go back and get a running start this morning 
Um, verse 16 is where Paul begins this entire uh, idea or this, this amazing, beautiful truth of walking in the Spirit. So God's Word says, Paul writes, I say then, walk in the Spirit. And what's the result of walking in the Spirit? And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And remember, our flesh is always lusting, correct? Always wanting more, always, and flesh, our flesh is like a forest fire. You can't, you can't feed a forest fire to put it out, correct? And so I'm struggling in this issue. I'm struggling with this area. This is an area of my life I'm struggling. What do I do, Mike? What do I do? What do I do, bro? How do I get sister? How do I get out of this? The answer is always to walk in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and takes residence in our hearts and lives, correct? When we surrender our lives to Jesus, a miracle happens, correct? God Almighty in the person of the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. And it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. He gives us the desire and he couples with the desire, the what, the the enablement, the power to do what he's calling us to do. And so we are to walk in the spirit. And we talked about a walk, right? When when we're walking, it, it speaks of motion. It's not running in the spirit. It's not power walking in the spirit. It's a walk, and, and God wanted us to understand that relationship that he desires to have with us, to simply walk each and every day with him and as he leads us and guides our lives. And so if we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh for, reason word, why the flesh lusts against the Spirit constantly and the Spirit against the flesh. There's this battle that goes on within us. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But, here's the answer, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So Paul talks about walking in the Spirit and being what? Led by the Spirit. And remember kind of how we talked about this a couple weeks ago? Being led means I need to have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to me, a heart that is willing to obey what He shows me, what He ministers to my heart to obey, and feet that are willing to follow His lead, or feet that are flexible to follow wherever the Spirit leads my life, to be okay, I'm down, Lord, Your will be done in my life. And so so crucial to be led by the Spirit. And so he goes on to talk about, and here's our problem. Right, The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, just in case I missed anything, Paul says, of which I tell you beforehand, Just as I also told you in time past, I've already given you a heads up, I'm reminding you again that those who practice such things, so that's the practice of their life, that's their lifestyle, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And that's a heavy, that's heavy, isn't it? But that's where if you are practicing that in your life, you will not inherit the kingdom of God, no matter, no matter how many ways you try to wiggle your way around this. Listen, heaven is not in your future if you're practicing these things, if, if that's what your lifestyle is, habitually, 
unrepentant. I'm not saying, we struggle with these things, don't we, sometimes? Do, we, do you guys struggle ever? You guys ever get in the flesh? That's about maybe half the room. Do you guys get in the flesh? In traffic? How about with, in your marriage? Sometimes with your spouse? Do you ever get in the flesh? No or yes? Don't be, like, like, don't be lying in church. You know what I'm saying? With our kids? You guys ever get in the flesh with your kids? Kids with your parents? We do, don't we? And, and we, certainly, we certainly do have struggles that we cry out to the Lord for his help. We confess. We repent. There's adjustments. And as you walk with the Lord, you see him transforming your life and changing your life. And what begins to happen is good fruit begins to grow in, in place of those works of the flesh. The path out, the way out of that self-destructive stuff and bearing fruit is to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the one who's living inside us, the one who is doing this by his grace. Listen, fruit is not manufactured, is it? It's produced in you and I, developed by God in and through our lives. The fruit source is God. He's dwelling in you. It's it's his characteristics. It's the Spirit of God, his character that he wants to put in us, wants to grow through us. In our lives, have you guys ever had fake fruit? Anybody ever seen fake fruit? Yeah? Have you ever tried to eat fake fruit? I did, growing up, my sister Missy and I used to go to my grandma and grandpa's house every summer. And we would stay there. And in grandma's kitchen, she had this bowl of fake fruit. And we would always dare one another every year. Same thing. Take a bite of that fake fruit. The apple, you couldn't take a bite of. It was super hard. And by the way, everything smelled like mothballs that may kind of stir up some, some memories. The orange you could bite, but it wouldn't go too far. And then the grapes, would, you could, you'd almost like lose a molar if you did it too hard. But, it, but that's not the fruit that God wants. God doesn't want fake fruit in our lives, but genuine fruit. The fruit of the Spirit growing and flowing. And he, he lists the fruit of the Spirit Right here in verse 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then look at this little sentence, what he says at the end of verse 23. Against such, there is no law. So we looked at last week, didn't we? Love, joy, and peace. Peace. Did we look at those? All three, right? Correct? For those of you who were here last week? You guys were here last week? Yes? Love, joy, peace. And so we, we get now into long-suffering. What's long-suffering? I think real simple, just think about that word, to suffer, to suffer long. It means patience. It means endurance. It's the opposite of short-tempered. In fact, we're told in Exodus, I think it's 34, right around verse 6, God says that he is long-suffering. He's full of mercy. And certainly he is, isn't he? Does God get quickly irritated with you? He doesn't, does he? Do you think he wants to work that quality in us towards others too? He does. That's what we're talking about here. For a long time, you will take it. This, is the, this quality enables you and I not only to endure adversity, 
difficult circumstances, because we hit difficult circumstances, don't we? You guys ever go through difficult circumstances? How about difficult people? Do you guys have any difficult people? Sometimes we're the difficult people. Correct? Let's just be on again, be honest this morning. Sometimes, but sometimes there's difficult people that God brings into our lives. It's not an accident or coincidence, the people that God brings into your life, by the way. Did you know that? God is doing what? He's molding and shaping us. We're being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And he knows exactly what each one of us needs. And so this quality enables us to endure difficult circumstances, difficult people, and to do it in a gracious way, to give grace and to give space and to give kindness. Look at the next fruit of the Spirit, kindness. What is kindness? The word means considerate, compassionate. I think just simply being nice. That goes a long way, doesn't it? Just being nice. Nice in a world that's not a lot of niceness. Is that a word? A lot of not a niceties, niceness going on. Is when you're nice, it stands out. And this quality, kindness, being nice sticks out. It's again, it's the way the Lord is. In fact, it in when Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy, it's the same root word right here. His yoke is easy, it's there's nothing harsh. Or heavy about it. In fact, it's kind. There's kindness attached to it. Doing good in a sweet way. So you're not all edgy and crabby and, and uh, chip on your shoulder, but there's kindness flowing from your life. What's the next fruit? Goodness, tenderheartedness, graciousness. It also means, check this out, uprightness of heart and life, honesty, purity, and it means doing good for others. Good is coming forth from your life. And isn't that the way the Lord is? Is God good, you guys? Every good and perfect gift comes from who? The Father of lights, right? Jesus said, you fathers being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your, will your heavenly Father give good things to what? To those who ask. He gives us good things. And the Lord wants us to be that same way, doing good for others, being good to others. In fact, the word grace means God's unmerited, undeserved kindness and goodness in our lives. And so goodness is another quality. It also carries the quality that God wants to develop in us. It also has the idea of generosity as well. What's the next fruit? Faithfulness. Do you guys appreciate faithfulness? Do you guys appreciate faithfulness in your lives? How many of you are expecting your mailman? Can you say, still say mailman or you have to say male person? How many of you guys are expecting your mailman to deliver the mail even in this weather? Right? We expect our mailman to be faithful, don't we? Correct? You sent, anybody ever sent, you guys ever send a package like FedEx? Is that the one that has to absolutely, positively have to be there overnight? Is that the one? When you send your package, you expect it to get there, don't you? You expect the FedEx to be faithful, don't you? Correct? Do you, 
Don't you enjoy, don't you like love faithfulness in your marriage? It's awesome, isn't it? Is God faithful? Right, Lamentations 3. Great is thy faithfulness. We just sang about it too. God, you're faithful. Thank you. You're reliable. That's what faithful means. Reliable, trustworthy, dependable, consistent. You can count on. Listen, God is faithful. You don't have to wonder if he's going to show up or not. He is going to show up because he is with you. And so if, you, if you're faithful, you've hung in there. People can count on you. You will be there for them. Again, if that's God's quality or characteristic of him, it's the same thing he wants to develop in you and me. And by the way, faithfulness is absolutely it's essential, crucial. Paul said um, in 1 Corinthians 3, it's required in a steward that he be found faithful. Are you with me, you guys? Every one of us is a steward here this morning. What is a steward? Is that a male flight attendant? A steward? A stewardess and a steward. Is that what we're talking about here? A steward is someone that is responsible for something or things that doesn't belong to them. Moses was a steward of his father-in-law's flock. Remember, he took care of Jethro's flock, correct? Joseph in Potiphar's house, he was a steward of Potiphar's stuff, correct? You and I are stewards. What are we stewards of? Number one, life itself, our testimony, the gospel, the word of God. If you're married, your spouse, your kids, our kids have been entrusted to us, guys. It's a stewardship. They do not belong to us, right? 18 years we get them, hopefully, To love them, to, 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 to be an example to them, to, to pour into them. But listen, they are on loan from the Lord to us. And we are to be faithful with that stewardship. Correct? It's required in a steward that he be found faithful. And so we appreciate faithfulness. The question is, can people count on us? Can people count on you? Can people count on me? And, and we don't want to be... Fo- Flaky. Is that still a word these days? Flaky? We don't want to be a flake. Because that is, that is so prevalent in our culture right now. It's flakiness. It's a mark of our culture. Sadly, God help us that we would be faithful. I look at the people in, in our church here that serve week in and week out, and they've done it month after month, year after year, doing it as unto the Lord, looking at their faith, and it's like, oh, Lord, I want to be that same person because I want to hear those words from Jesus' lips, well done, good, and faithful servant. That's the way he is. Look, what's the next fruit? Verse 23, what's your Bible say? Gentleness, kind, tender, meek, attitude of humility. It's interesting, the, this Greek word also speaks about being teachable. Isn't that interesting? Willing to listen and willing to learn or teachable. Because sometimes we think we need to be strong and assert our position. And you know what happens? We lose gentleness. We, use, we lose gentleness in the process and we lose our ability to be teachable. Because you know what? There's sometimes we're not right. Did you guys know that? Sometimes we're not right. Did you guys know that? Sometimes you're not right. I'm not right. I'm not saying right in the right mind. 
like, you're right, Pastor, you're not in your right mind all the time. It's all right, the Lord's in me. But sometimes we hold on to positions or things, and you know what? They may be wrong. We're not going to have per- perfect theology till we get where? Till we get to heaven. And we're so strong in our position, and we're so rough, and, and it's like a bull in a china shop. Alienating people. We're no longer teachable. How did Jesus deal with people? Did he deal with them gently? Think about the Samaritan woman at the well. John chapter 4. Jesus dealt so tenderly with this woman, caught up in sin, in sexual immorality, right? But he just, he, he put his finger on the issue so tenderly, correct? Before he could give her the living water, she had to recognize that there was this issue of sin in her life. And the Lord did it in such a gentle way, such a kind way. It's like, God, help us. He treated her with respect. And not only that, Jesus was approachable, wasn't he? He was approachable. And so gentleness, we're not slamming everyone with what we know, alienating people or having a superior attitude. There's a kindness to us, a tenderness. And then what's the last fruit of the Spirit here? Self-control. It literally means in the Greek, in strength. In strength. And it's not years of practice and sweat and, and discipline. The idea is it's God's work, His strength in me. His strength in you. He's the one who is bringing that control into my life, not only my actions, but also my reactions, and not only that, my tongue too, because our tongue needs to be controlled, doesn't it? Correct? Listen, if you, if, if you hear an out-of-control tongue, usually there's an out-of-control life. Why? Because Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth what? The mouth speaks. That means our tongues are attached to our hearts. That's what's going on in our heart. And so we need the Lord to help us in this area. Lord, purify my heart. Man, the things that are coming out of me, Lord, it's not rivers of living water that you promised. It's more like buffalo bayou-like stuff. God, help me. Lord, transform my heart. Change me. And I think as we look at this, this is a good time to evaluate our lives to take a step back, allow the word of God to wash over us. Or here's a good exercise. Ask the person or ask those who are closest to us if these are real in our lives, if these things are happening. Or which do you see in my life? Which do you not see in my life? That's a good question to ask, isn't it? Because the people closest to us know, don't they? Do they know you guys? I, in fact, I did this this week studying. I asked my family, and it was like everything was going good till I got to Alana, my nine-year-old. <laughs> she's like, "Dad, um, that long-suffering thing—the word means patience." And I knew, like you know, like out of the mouths of babes, I knew she was like it was like straight from the Lord. Do you know our kids? The Lord uses our kids to speak to us sometimes, parents. Because sometimes we just we blow them off. But it was like, Dad, this is not happening. The way you responded, I was like, oh, God, forgive me. Pray for me. This is an area in my life where 
I need, your, I need the Lord's work, honey. Now let's talk about the fruit in your life. No. <laughs> let's, 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 now let's get down to business, okay? No. no. Look what it says. Against such there is no law. There's no law against the fruit. Look at the end of that verse, verse 23. Right? You're, you're doing too much fruit. There's too much fruit. Bad. You know, you just broke the law. No, 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 no. There's no law against the fruit. This is what should be growing and flowing in our lives. Fruit grows. It is not manufactured, guys. Again, it's not fake fruit. It's a work of God's spirit within us as we cultivate our relationship with him. And you just let him do the rest. You don't need someone to set rules for you, guidelines, standards. It's just a day-by-day walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. And we're going to read in just a moment to live in the Spirit. Which person do you want to look like? Verses 19 to 21. Anybody want to look like that? Hopefully not. We want to look like verse 22 to 23, don't we? Because here, here's what it looks like when you're doing it right, is verses 22 and 23. And, and maybe you've been listening this morning and you're saying, oh, it's hopeless, I'm defeated. Struggling. Or sometimes we can point the finger at others, wish they would start doing this, wish she would start doing this, wish he would start doing that. Or I think the proper response is, this is what, I want for my life. I want to see this happen. And so today, what do you do? You surrender afresh to the Lord. You say, Lord, help me in this area. This fruit is not growing. This area is, is, is withered. I need a fresh work of your spirit today. And you ask him to bring the growth. You ask him to do that work. Listen, it's going to take time for some of us. For some, because it took time for us to make the mess before we came to know the Lord, didn't it? We took a few years to make some messes. It's going to take a little time for the fruit to grow. But it starts, listen, it starts with you and God. Allowing him to work in your life, to repent. To to recognize that, you know what, I'm blowing it. And to own it. And to say, not to make excuses, not to point the finger at others. But just to say, you know what? It's me. It's my heart. Because those difficult people, difficult circumstances simply reveal what's going on in our hearts. It reveals whether we're loving, whether we're walking in peace, whether we're walking in joy and happiness and long-suffering. Those rough spots in the road, it's not because of the rough spot. It's, the rough spots just reveal, don't they? They just reveal what's going on in my heart and in my life. And the way I'm treating people and the way I'm, I'm, I'm handling situations. And so you admit your failure and you look at this list and say, you know what, that's not me, but that's who I want to be. Lord, would you work in my heart? Would you work in my life? And what begins to happen? Fruit. That's not how it sounds, but that's how I... Just fruit starts popping up. Fruit grows naturally. It's supernaturally natural. And you know what begins to happen? I can't believe I was patient back there. I just got cut off. Anybody ever get cut off? I didn't say praise the Lord. God bless you, dude. Hopefully you need to get to the hospital quick, whatever you got going on. But I'm not steaming. I'm not having an outburst of wrath. And you start to look and say, you know, I love that person. 
I responded in love to them. Not in jealousy or envy or murder, wanting to take them out with my words. Wow, Lord, you are doing a work in my life. It wasn't a class. It wasn't a program. It wasn't psychobabble. I didn't get on the internet and Google it and try to figure out how to make fruit grow. It was simply the Lord working in your heart and in your life. And who gets the glory? The Lord does. And then he begins to prune. He begins to prune. Didn't Jesus talk about that? John 15. Why does he prune? Why does he remove stuff? To make sure that growth is healthy, correct? And you realize, oh Lord, I can't live without this thing. And then what happens? I'm so glad I didn't have that thing anymore. <laughs> My life is now fruitful in this area or that area. And it's like, thank you, Jesus. Wow, I want more of that. I want more of you and less of me. This is so glorious. Well, verse 24, we've got to finish this chapter. <laughs> right? Correct? And those who are Christ's, isn't that beautiful? Those who belong to Jesus. What have we done? Have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Isn't that interesting? Doesn't verse 26 seem disjointed? Like we're talking about walking in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit and living in the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. And then Paul's like, let us not do this. Well, we'll get to that in just a minute. Let's look at verse 24. I think this is such a great reminder, a beautiful truth. I'm a Christian. I belong to Jesus. I am His. I am His possession. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, last verse, last two verses. It speaks about the Holy Spirit being in us, and then we have been bought at a price. We've been bought at a price, haven't we? Precious blood of Jesus. Therefore, let us glorify God in our bodies and in our spirit, which belong to the Lord. And so we've been purchased. Understanding this, this is so crucial, understanding this helps me be freed up to walk in the spirit. When I realize I don't belong to me, the burden is off. I belong to the Lord. I'm his. I realize I'm his property. I belong to the Lord. He bought me with his precious blood. I'm his valuable possession. He cares for me. Aren't you glad the Lord cares for you? You belong to him. You belong to Jesus. I mean, maybe for you that's a threat. To me, it's awesome. It's like, Lord, thank you. My life is no longer my own. I'm yours. I am my beloved's and he is mine. Well, notice what he says. Those who are Christ's have what? Crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. At some point as Christians, we have decided to follow Jesus. I am his and I no longer live life after the flesh. In fact, Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about offering ourselves as living sacrifices. You guys remember that where it talks about that? In light of what the Lord has done for us, Paul says, therefore, I beg you, my brethren, I beseech you, in light of all that Jesus has done for you and for me, that we offer ourselves as living sacrifices. And the offering thing is, you know, sometimes we pray that, don't we? 
We're going to offer ourselves today as living sacrifices, and tomorrow I'm going to offer myself as a living sacrifice. But the, the Greek tense is once and for all. Lord, here's my life, fully and completely. I've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And it's a rugged picture, isn't it? But that's what it's like, crucifying the flesh. We're not pampering the flesh. We're not pandering to the flesh. We're not promoting, rehabbing the flesh. The flesh, the flesh was crucified. When, when Jesus took our sins on the cross, our flesh was also crucified. It tells us in Romans 6, I believe it is. And we are to reckon our old man, that fallen sinful nature that we have, to, we are to reckon the old man dead. Reckon doesn't mean, I reckon I'll, you know, mosey on down to the whatever. It means to believe it as so because it is so. That the old man has been rendered inoperative because of what Jesus has done for us. The old man likes to raise up his ugly head though, doesn't he? Correct? That's why Jesus says if we want to follow him, to deny ourselves and to take up our cross, how often? Daily. And then to follow him. And so we've committed our flesh to capital punishment. We've crucified the flesh. And so... Nail that old nature to the cross with its what? The flesh with its passions and desires. It's interesting, that word passions. Um, everywhere else in the New Testament, I believe everywhere else, the, the word is used for sufferings. Sufferings. Passions, sufferings, and desires or lusts. Lusts or desires speaks of passionate wants, urges, yearnings. Pursuing something that is forbidden or not good for you. You know what he's saying? He's saying, you've crucified the flesh with its sufferings and, and, and lusts because suffering is a result of living for our lusts, isn't it? Isn't suffering the result of living for our lusts, y'all? Correct? I'm not seeing everybody in agreement here. Okay. Do you guys ever eat food that you know that's bad for you? Like comfort food? So you go to the, where do you, wherever you go for, people were talking about that after the service. I'm like, is that all you learned this morning? Was, so you go get your favorite burger. You know, it, it was like a debate out there. What's the best? You go and get your double bacon cheeseburger or whatever you eat, right? Large fry, Diet Coke. Because you want to feel good about what you're doing, right? And it looks so good. Like you see it on the menu, right? Oh, there it is, the, you know, Big Tex burger. Got to have that one, half pound. It's going to be so good. And then you eat it, right? And you wolf it down, you scarf it down, you oink out, you have your fries, DC to wash it down. And then what happens after you're done? You feel bad, don't you? Oh, I can't believe I did that. But that's exactly what Paul's saying here. Suffering and affliction go hand in hand with going after things that are not good for you. It's a vicious cycle we go through till we meet Jesus. We go after those lusts, and what happens? Suffering. I'm going to go after this. I got to have this. Suffering, pain, correct? And then you meet Jesus. By the way, that's a result of living apart from Jesus. The sufferings 
going after the lusts. But then you meet him. And what does Jesus do? He sets you free. You don't have to be in that vicious cycle any longer of verses 19 to 21. Now you're set free to what? To live with him, to live for him, to allow him to live through you. The only answer, listen to the flesh, is crucifixion. Crucifixion, the solution to ending the cycle is the cross, death to the flesh, but life, look what it says in the next verse, life in the spirit. If we live in the spirit, he says, let us also do what? Walk in the spirit. Did you notice, by the way, the change of pronouns? Did you guys notice the change of pronouns? This is like crucial. Paul's not like lecturing us here. Like, you got to do, come on, what's the matter with you people? He includes himself. Why? Because listen, all of us, we need together to walk in the Spirit. Are you with me? We need together to live in the Spirit. If we don't, what begins to happen? When one member suffers, we all suffer. A brother or sister in the church living after the flesh, they're going to suffer, Right? Suffering goes along with going after your lust. We begin to suffer. A little bit of leaven gets introduced to the body. What happens? It begins to spread and harm the body. We need to, Paul's saying we need together to walk in the Spirit, to live in the Spirit. And when we say live, it means, what days does it mean? Every day or just once a week? Every day. We live in the Spirit. We've put our trust in Jesus. We've been made alive. The work has begun in the Spirit. Now we continue in the Spirit. We move forward literally together in rank and file to keep in step with the Spirit, to be continually under the influence of the Holy Spirit. 24-7, not part-time, doing life together. And things can get hard, can't they? Can things get hard in life? Difficulty? You guys ever have a rough week? Anybody ever have a rough week? I think I said this Wednesday night a couple weeks ago. Like, I've had a rough year. It's okay. The Lord knows. But here, here's the deal. The danger is we have a rough week, and you know what? It's Friday, and now you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to let my flesh have a little bit of control. I'm going to live for the flesh a little bit Friday night. What happens when you give the flesh an inch? Takes what? A mile, right? Our flesh needs no help whatsoever, correct? My flesh is just as rotten today as the day I got saved. Our flesh is rotten. But you give a little bit of room, you put your flesh on a rehab program, right? You resuscitate him. He's been crucified. All right, get one of those paddles. Okay, come on, you can breathe and start to CPR the flesh. Now he's like He-Man in your life. It's like a monster. Correct? That's why we are to walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit every single day. Or here's another problem. We separate the spiritual from the secular. We don't live in the Spirit because we separate... The spiritual from the secular. Do you guys know what I'm talking about by that? I give Sunday to Jesus, but Monday through Saturday, it's all mine. 
We can do that, you guys. It's, it's, you know, and we wonder why there's such a lack of fruit in our lives. Are you with me this morning? Listen, Peter learned that lesson. If you're taking notes, you can check it out later. Luke chapter 5. Jesus was on the Sea of Galilee. And he was giving a Bible study. And remember, the people were gathering, tons of people, hungry for the Word of God. Desiring to hear God's Word. Just like you guys this morning, braving the cold, braving, braving the elements. Why? Because we're hungry for the Word of God. That's, that, that's what our soul, our, our spirit is craving, the Word of God. And so here are these people, they're hungry, they're hearing Jesus speak, and he's getting closer and closer to the water on the Sea of Galilee. And what does he do? He looks and he sees a couple of boats. One boat belonged to Simon Peter. You guys remember that? And Jesus asked Simon Peter to put his boat right off the shore. So we have like a little pulpit right there. You guys, you guys remember that story, don't you? And so Jesus is right there giving the Bible study. And by the way, on the Sea of Galilee, your voice really carries. So it's like his voice is going now from the water off the boat. He's got a captive audience. Peter is right there too, correct? Peter's here in the Bible study. And probably Andrew too. Peter and Andrew, probably both of them. And so Jesus wraps up the Bible study. And what does he do next? Remember what he does? He gives two commands and a promise to Peter. Remember, anybody remember what they, what, the, what they were? Launch out into the deep and let down your nets, plural. You guys are well taught, you know. Let down your nets, and what's the promise? For a catch, you're going to catch fish. And what does Peter do? This is how I picture Peter. <sighs> Master, we, we've toiled all night long. Come on. Really? Wrong time. Wrong place. Did you know it's the, wrong, it's the wrong time and wrong place? Because fishing on the Sea of Galilee is done in the shallow area at night. Master, we've toiled all night long. Come on. You are a great carpenter. You're a great Bible teacher. But leave the fishing to me. I'm the expert in this field. You stay in your field, I will stay in my field. Sunday is yours, Lord. The rest of the week is mine. I don't need you to be involved in my job. I'm the expert in this field. You know what the lesson is? Is that Jesus is the expert in all things. Nevertheless, at your word, we'll launch out. Can you imagine, Peter? And there's the whole crowd. Peter, where are you going? I'm going fishing with Jesus. He thinks we're going to catch some fish. And it says, Peter let down the... Net singular. 
this illogical request can be demonstrated as a bunch of nonsense by me letting down just one net. It's one less net I have to clean. And what happened? He let down the net. By the way, partial obedience always limits the full blessing of God. Of all that he wants to do. Let's down the net and what happens? It, that thing is stuffed with fish. Andrew's helping pull in. They're whistled. Get over, James, John, get over here. We need help. What did Peter do next? He got to shore, went on a speaking tour, wrote a book, How to Fish the Deep in the Sea of Galilee. I'm the expert. You guys remember what he did? He fell at Jesus' feet, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. How could I ever claim to be the expert in anything when you are the expert in all things? And we can do that. Listen, we can separate out the, the secular from the spiritual. Lord, I'm busy over here doing my job. Do you know that he's the expert in whatever field of expertise you're in? Whether it's business, whether it's banking, whether it's mechanical, whether you're an engineer, whether you're a student, whether you're a house mom. He's the expert in parenting. He's the expert in finances. He's the, ex- he's the expert in marriage counseling. Did, did you guys know that? Do you know that you don't need to go get a psychologist, even one with Christian attached to it? Because he's the wonderful counselor. Did you guys know that he's the wonderful counselor? All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in him, Colossians 2. Why do we need to look any further? Why not look to him? But the problem is we separate out our Christian life like a TV dinner. Because anybody eat TV dinner? Hungry man, right? Hungry man, right? You know what I'm talking about? Is there a hungry woman too? If not, you need to come up with that. Shark Tank, get us some money for the new building. All right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The Lord will provide. <laughs> you, got, you guys know what I'm talking about. TV dinner, you got the meat, right? The Salisbury steak, whatever that thing is. A piece of old Nike. <laughs> the potato, you got the little, is there fruit too? Does it come with fruit? I don't even remember. You get your dessert. But everything's divided out. And some of us, that's the way your Christian walk is. Sunday is for the Lord, but Lord, you're not touching my Monday. And maybe once in a while, I'll come on a Wednesday. But that rest of that time is mine. Over here and over here. Listen, our Christian life should be like a chicken pot pie. Just all together. Secular and spiritual, right? Just like that. With the, you get it all together. Boom. And the Lord's right at the center of it all. Are you with me? All right. That makes sense? Live in the Spirit. What begins to happen? You get in a rhythm. You're in a rhythm, right? And there's pace. And we're led by the Lord. But then this last verse. We're out of time. Let's finish it. Let us not become conceited. Isn't that interesting? Paul says that. Let us not be continually 
seeking to be recognized, to get glory, to be boasting. The word conceit means empty plus vain glory. It's the praises of men. Why does Paul say this? Why does Paul go here after talking about walking in the Spirit, living in the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit? Why does he go here? Because he knows that there is a danger for him just like there's a danger for you and for me. And what is it? What is the threat? The threat is when God begins to use your life. When God begins to bear this fruit through your life and use you in a special way and you become spiritual. What, what can happen to us? You know what can happen to us? We can look down on others. We can look at others as inferior with an attitude of, of superiority or an attitude of arrogance. Listen, being spiritual doesn't rise you up above everyone else. It says about Jesus in Philippians 2 that he humbled himself and became a servant. Jesus spoke about being great in his kingdom as serving others, becoming as a child. Because when you become as a child, you're able to help, to get down and help people. That's what his kingdom's about. It's about helping people, loving people, caring for people, laying down our lives for one another. That's how we help connect with others to help them out. Listen, real spirituality will bring us down to help others. Fake spirituality will lift us up to look down on others and distance ourselves from others. Beware is a danger. When the Lord begins to use your life, I'm, listen, I'm warning myself here. Paul, Paul included himself, didn't he? Let us not become conceited. Paul knew it was a threat to him as well. Pride is a huge danger. God is doing great things, using your life, serious fruit. Be careful. Number two, provoking one another. It's interesting. This word in the Greek is prokaleo. It means to call forward or to call out. You know what that means? You guys know what that means? You call someone out. I'm calling him out, man. Let's go. Let's rumble, right? You guys remember that when you were kids? I'll meet you at the bike racks, man. Come on. Calling you out. You know, we can do that in our Christian walk, too. Calling people out. Challenging them. Being combative. We say things sometimes, things that lead to conflict. Try to show people how wrong they are. And, you, and, and there's some people that they just see something wrong, and I just got to correct that person. I just got to correct them. Is it your job to correct and fix everybody? Is that a calling in ministry? I have not seen it yet. If you're walking in the Spirit day by day, you're not going to be calling people out all the time and trying to correct everybody, trying to fix everybody. But there are times when we do need to speak up when people do need help. Are we going to learn that next week because we got through the chapter? Chapter 6 will be there. But really, I, listen, I hear sometimes that people do that. I mean, we can do that, you guys. And it's like, is that really motivated by love? Do you really care about that person? Is that why you're doing that? What is, it, what is, you know, is love at the heart of what you're doing? Is that something the Spirit is telling you to do? I mean, I ask people all the time, you know what, did you really pray before saying that? Did you spend time with the Lord before you let that come out of your mouth? Did, did you pray before posting that online? Going on Instagram or whatever people, I don't know what people use, Facebook? 
Have you been spending putting your face in the book before doing that? Paul says, let us not become conceited. Let's not provoke one another. Envying one another. That word means become bitter or sour towards someone else's success. Literally, the word envy, it, it, you know what it is? It's shriveled. You guys ever seen something shriveled? Like a prune? To be consumed with someone else, resentful of what they have. You know what it does? It sucks the life right out of you. Like bitterness or unforgiveness or wanting what someone else has, not content. And so Paul concludes, wanting someone else's ministry, right? Wanting someone else's calling. Oh, I wish I had that, I wish, I wish I had that calling. I would be way better. I can't believe this bozo is the pastor. <laughs> I know, I can't either. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. You know what? The Lord has called each one of us to our own lane. He's given each one of us. He's entrusted. Jesus has shared ministry with each and every one of us. The perfect calling on your life where you will thrive and abound as you get in the flow, as you get in the groove of walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, and you realize and you look back, it was all the Lord. Man, that was you, God. That wasn't me trying to manufacture fruit. That was you, and guess what? He gets all the credit. So Paul reminds us as we close, walk in the Spirit. Be careful of pride. Be careful of picking fights with others. Be careful of envy. You got saved from that junk, that cycle of hurting yourself and hurting others. You now belong to Jesus. Your life is no longer your own. You don't have to live that, any, that way anymore. You've crucified that lifestyle. Now, walk in the Spirit moment by moment in a day-by-day relationship with God. And what begins to happen? He delivers you from the junk. He sets you free from yourself. And what begins to happen? Sweet fruit is flowing from your life to the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, thank you so much again for this special time, family time, to worship to get into your word. I pray for my precious brothers and sisters, God, that they would take away the things from your heart.